Aviation Made Easy. With your host, Erica Wiggins. The Aim High Podcast. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Aim underscore High. And now, the CFI for Aim High, Erica Wiggins. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our podcast. Good to have you back. And today we're going to talk about stalls, but not just like the academic side of stalls. We're going to talk about fear of stalls. Uh, As a flight instructor, this is something I've come across time and time again, and it really crosses all demographic lines. Uh, Fear of stalls is not just confined to um, females or... um, Let me ask you a question. What? Are are you afraid of... Of, of stalls? I did have a real discomfort with stalls for quite a while. So, you know, when, during my flight training and such, I, I did. Especially um, power on stalls. I didn't like them at all. Right. So, but even now, though, is there still just a smidgen of like, ooh? More so when I'm teaching a student, <laughs> it gets my anxiety up just a little bit more. Even though I know I can handle whatever they do right. to the plane, you still kind of don't like that. You know, it's like somebody coming around the corner and going, boo. <laughs> and as a, as a pilot, do you, you can kind of see stalls coming. Can't oh, you? yeah. You can like, see it's, them. It, They don't just happen out of nowhere to you, right? You can... You know, it depends on the kind of stall, how quickly it's going to come up on you. Accelerated stalls, which are a a different type, that's where you're going to be in a turn carrying some higher loads on the aircraft. Those can happen more abruptly than other types of stalls. The ones that are going to come on uh, probably the most predictably are going to be your power off stalls. You're going to really notice those coming along. And as a pilot and going through your training, you do learn to recognize those scenarios where you could get yourself into a, a stall. And 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 listeners, let's let me back up a little bit. When we're talking about stalls, we're not talking about like the air the engine stalls and it shuts off. I'm talking about aerodynamic stalls. Right. And aerodynamic stalls are when the wing of, of the aircraft exceeds the critical angle of attack, which is basically that angle that's created if you visualize the oncoming wind. So like, let's say you're driving in a car and you stick your hand out and that's relative wind pushing against your right. hand. So, um, so it doesn't have to do with, you know, where the nose is pointing out on the horizon. It's the angle between the cord line of the wing and the relative wind. Right. And when you, and that's the angle of attack, that's the angle of attack. So then when you continue to pitch up and increase that angle, it will reach a point where the airflow no longer smoothly crosses over the wing. And, and that's, and the wing begins to stall and it doesn't even stall all at once. It, it will, on most wings, it will progressively, um, stall. So, and, and by that, you mean that it's no longer producing lift like right. it ought to? Yeah, it's no longer, it's a, it's a very quick reduction in lift, um, increase in drag. So, so what we're talking about, like I said, is an aerodynamic stall. It's, so that's an aerodynamic one though, where there's an upset, you know, you have your, your kind of your constant flow of that air over mm-hmm. the wing. Right. And anytime that that is disrupted, that's an aerodynamic stall. Well, uh, disrupted in a major way? Is that where you're... It's, it's when the cord line of the wing exceeds, exceeds that. Yeah, so it's, you know, exceeds that angle from the wel- relative wind. So basically, you exceed that critical angle of attack. That is when a stall occurs. So practicing them, it, it can be, a, you know, cause a new pilot or a pilot who hasn't been exposed to them in a gentle way or um, maybe they have some fears from hearing stories or something like that. There, there can be some anxiety associated with this. And I can tell you that 
in the number of students I've taught over the years, it's really been equal. It's been, you know, big, tough guys, uh, women. I mean, it just, you don't really predict who it is that's going to have anxiety over stalls. But just like anything else in life, it is a fear. It's, it, you're coping with an emotional reaction to something. And off in the way to so address it, that. But you're saying that basically every student pilot has stylophobia? Not, not everyone. I mean, you do get people who are really confident, but there are some who really start to it's get... It's like petrifying to them. Yeah, some, it's very petrifying. To the point that they, do they get nervous about just basic maneuvers or things yeah. like that? Yeah, that absolutely. And then Maybe trying being to a pilot get, isn't for them. No, I don't believe that's true because I've gotten... <laughs> I have managed to get students past this okay. and go on to become successful pilots. It's just a, it, it's very unfamiliar. So it's it, a comfort level. It's exactly, it's a comfort level. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how I have worked with students to overcome the fear of, of stalls so that they can go through their flight training and have a successful, pleasant experience because they understand what's going on with the airplane and they've become familiar with it in a way that isn't as threatening as if they had just been tossed into it and like, here's the stall, and it's very dramatic. There's, there's a progression you can take. Either um, if you're a flight instructor, I'll give you tips for how to help your students. If you are a student, this will give you some tools with how to communicate with your flight instructor about how to proceed and work your way through this fear of the stalls so that you can really enjoy your flight training and even enjoy practicing stalls. I have to say that where I really became comfortable with stalls was uh, during spin training. Mm. That's what it really took for me to understand that this was nothing to be all worked up over. And Mm. so that means spin training. We're talking about when I became a flight instructor. That's when I really started to realize that it wasn't that big of a deal. Just goes with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot more comfortable with it. Yep. Goes with the flow. So. So... So that, that's, you know, I think that's interesting. I guess, you know, those of you who are flight instructors or those of you that are flight students and stuff, you had no idea that part of the job as a flight instructor is psychologist. It's very true. And what I am talking about really does go back to some basic principles of psychology. Sure. So, you know, and that's it, um, how I'll explain it. I, I'm not going to go into all the psychological terms. I'm not a therapist. My boyfriend is, but not me. <laughs> so he could probably teach this one better than I could, but I can tell you from practical no, experience. No, just from your experience and yeah. stuff. Is it just, I mean, my sense is, is and from what you're saying up front, is that it's mostly just exposure therapy. Yeah, exposure therapy is one. Uh, just, so that's just, the, what you I You got to live it. And then, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the method that I used and found very, uh, you know, very helpful. Also, a cognitive behavioral therapy uh, approach to it um, is another method to take. And I really think combining the two is the way to go. So, so. If, if people aren't, unsh- if they're unsure of what I meant by exposure therapy, essentially meaning that if you're afraid of snakes, the idea is, is they put snakes in your hand and you realize that nothing terrible is going to happen. And so, okay. yeah, but they don't put them in your hand right away. Right. So they, the they're in the same step, room as you. Yeah. So the first step of that is, you know, visualize the maneuver. So, so let's go through the steps, just looking at it from an exposure standpoint with my students, I will sit with them and with a little model airplane and talk to them about the stalls, what we just discussed about what causes the stall. I will show them how the plane pitches up and how, In order to recover from the stall, all you have to do is lower the nose, reduce the angle of attack. So understanding all the academics 
understanding the academics and talking about it. And I'll talk them through the maneuver, like as if we're sitting in the cockpit, I will say, okay, we're going to reduce the power. Now we're going to gently pull back on the yoke. We're going to continue to increase our angle of attack to the point where we start to feel a little bit of buffing. And the first few times when we start to feel that little bit of buffing, we're going to lower the nose right then. This is, you know, based at an incipient stall, but not a full stall, and and go right back to normal flying without adding power. So, you know, we, we visualize and talk about that, then we get up in the air, and we do exactly that. I bring back the power. I always start teaching stalls with power-off stalls because they're just very subtle. It's more like a falling leaf mo- movement. It's... Um, and they and it's get, relatively straightforward. It's very straightforward, and it's a good opportunity to show them in a gentle way that this is all aerodynamics, not power. So notice one of the things I said, we recover without adding power. Power reduces the amount of altitude that you're going to lose. But an airplane wants to fly, and you can recover from a stall all day long without power. Mm-hmm. It's just that you will lose more altitude in that recovery. But the plane is made to fly. Think about glider pilots. They don't have power. They also fly an aircraft that can stall, and they recover strictly with the aerodynamics of it. So that's what I do. I get them up there, pull the power back, gently raise the nose, feel that little bit of buffeting, lower the nose right back to flying again. And we just keep doing that. I started fairly high altitude, bring the nose up again, do it again. So now they're just getting used to that buffeting feeling. Then we go on to actually allowing the plane to stall and again, recovering without power, Mm. just letting them see. So that comes up, it buffets. Now this time the nose drops because we're actually going to go into the stall and Again, nose drops on its own. We make sure that we do... So it's progressively getting more intense a little bit. A little bit, but it's still not very intense. And and they're seeing that all they have to do is control the airplane. Mm -hmm. And I think that those initial stalls without recovering with power gives them that sense of just how much the plane is, is an aerodynamic entity it wants to fly so we do that and then we'll practice power off stalls with power recoveries oftentimes i have found that just that much has really helped my students right the other thing that students need to understand especially if you're flying a plane like a 172 really common trainer a lot of your common trainers need a lot of effort to go into a spin and if you ask a student once they understand what a stall is what their fear is their their fear is that this they're going to stall which can be a precursor to a spin and that's scary to them and they don't realize that a spin isn't that easy to make happen uh you know when i did spin training it was work to get that 172 to spin I mean, I had to hold it in It was the almost spin. harder to learn how to spin it than yeah, to stop spinning. Yeah, I mean, it, that was it. I mean, all I had to do is if I just relaxed the controls, it, it came out of the spin. It wanted to fly. It didn't want to spin. And that's why, for me, that was a very eye-opening experience. I had no idea how difficult it would be to make that plane spin. Other planes have different aerodynamic characteristics, but boy, you know, the 172 is just one of those planes that wants to fly and 
And uh, it's an aerodynamic creature. And hence, it's a trainer. It's a great trainer. That's why we have it as a training <laughs> plane, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it's... It's, it's really forgiving. It's a really forgiving, forgiving airplane. It's very forgiving. Yeah, one, and 152s also. Another, you know, 150, 152s. There's your two-seat version. Also, very forgiving trainer plane. So, what I would suggest to students is, from the exposure standpoint, is to work into each of the stalls gradually, particularly starting with those power-off stalls, getting very comfortable with that. If you just really feel like you're struggling with getting comfortable with power with power-on stalls or other types of stalls as you progress and you just can't seem to get over it, I, I would say go to an air, aerobatic school. Take a little bit of time getting some spin training. Right. And you will then realize just um, how much your plane wants to fly. And, and really that you have control over all of those different incidents and, uh, and that you can handle them all even if that happens. That you can, if it breaks and starts to go into a spin, it's going to be very quick to get it out of it. You, ha- you know, know that you have the skills that will give you the confidence to move on. Another side of getting ready to face stalls and, and the fear of stalls is really incorporating some relaxation techniques too. And this may mean that you tell your... So you put inside the 172 a massage chair. Well, yeah, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I think for students, take a little bit of time. Little little lavender oil in the air. You know, lavender oil might not be bad. I, you know, talk to your flight instructor about this before you start doing it, though. <laughs> they may have some... <laughs> show up. Hey, Keith, why do you smell like lavender? Yeah, um, yeah, you know. Just trying to stay relaxed. <laughs> yes, you know, they might, they might want to send you for a drug test. What's wrong with you? So, <laughs> but do maybe take a few extra moments. Tell your flight instructor that you're going to go out and get the pre-flight done and that you're going to take, you know, just to give you an extra five, ten minutes... Go out in the plane and just do some deep breathing. Believe it or not, I know it sounds kind of hokey, but I'm telling you, deep breathing is a way, is, is something that you control that will give your body the signal to chill out. That's, that's my layman's way of describing this. So the way we breathe is both conscious and subconscious. And by forcing it into nice, long, slow breaths, you will cause a, a reaction in yourself that will be more relaxed and visualize again, visualize maneuver, visualize relaxing that this is all going to be just fine. That you're with a very competent flight instructor. Every flight instructor's had spin training folks. We know what to do. If you muck it up, we can handle that. So have confidence in it and just take time to relax. Don't let the, the rushed drive to the airport after work and then the briefing with your flight instructor and then rush out and pre-flight and jump in the plane and get up in the air. Give yourself five to 10 minutes just to calm yourself down from the day. Get your brain into that mindset that you're going up to do stalls and that it's, and visualize that it's all going to be just fine because it will be. It's going to be fine. I've taught a lot of students and the problems I've had have not been with stalls. <laughs> so It seems to be, though, that that's, that's one of the things that Just in the aviation world, it seems that there's a lot of talk of stalls. There's hype around it. There is a little bit. You're saying there's not. It's not worth the hype, though. It's really not. It's um, it's understandable that stalls are going to be a little bit scary, especially if you're new to aviation, because people have this sense of stalls like the airplane's going to fall out of the sky, and it doesn't. If you pull the power all the way back on the airplane, which 
power doesn't have to do with the stall anyhow, but I mean, let's pull the power all the way back. As long as you keep your angle of attack in check, the plane's going to fly. They glide. Mm-hmm. They glide with the power off. That's what a plane's designed to do. They fly. So, so fly your plane. Fly your plane. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, it's, it's about as stupid as that sounds. I mean, if you have fall- stalophobia, your real fear is is that you you don't you can't fly your plane. Right. So right? that's why someone should. That's take why you the have time. an instructor. That's why you have an instructor who should take the time to show you just how much that plane wants to fly. And I tend to think, you know, very fondly of aircraft as being some kind of being. And, uh, you know, I just, it comes naturally to me. You, you talk nice to them and they, you know, hopefully will treat you well. And, and uh, I really do feel like they want to fly. Now, I, we won't get into a conversation about helicopters in this piece. I'm only talking about fixed wing aircraft. Right. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get phone calls from the helicopter pilots out there. Uh, you know, that friendly rivalry. A little bit of, yeah. It's, <laughs> but it's, it's a slightly different game. Yeah. We're just talking airplanes here. But, you know, this is, this is a entity that wants to fly and, you know, Take time with your instructor with the power pulled all the way out and see just how much it wants to fly. And and even when you make it stall, that it just wants to go back to flying. That is the nature of, of an airplane. And don't let people give you this kind of attitude like, hey, man up, suck it up, this kind of thing. That's BS. You really take time to address and acknowledge your fear. Do it the right way, right. using some of the techniques that we've talked about, relaxation techniques, exposure techniques. If your instructor is one of those people that's all bullheaded and like, come on, kid, you need to do this. And I've had those instructors. Sure. <laughs> then, then, you know, maybe you need to look at having a different instructor because part of what I did was make sure that my students were at ease enough so that their mind could learn. And that's what an instructor should be doing to you, not giving you a bunch of macho lines that you need to suck it up. Stalls can be scary. We've all had a little anxiety over stalls at some point, some of us more than others. And if you're having a lot of anxiety about it, cut yourself some slack and and, and face that you have a fear and take some time to expose yourself to the stalls and to relax before your flights. And you're going to find that you're go- you will enjoy your flight training a lot more. And for anyone that's an instructor, it's obvious to, that if you do sort of the be brave, just be macho and just go for it. If you do that, that's not as beneficial to your student anyway in the long no. run. Because there's a couple things. Is, is it, it, it decreases the amount of confidence and I guess... Um, Confidence in, in their relationship with you, but also in the in you as a as an instructor as well, right? I mean, instead yeah. of handling and explaining to me what's going on, it, you know, it, it's a whole different thing to just say, "Well, just do it." Yeah, <laughs> just do it. You're really playing into stereotypes there. I, in particular, see that scenario with male instructors, male students, and you know, guys, <laughs> we. You have fears just like the rest of us, and there is no shame in saying that you have some anxiety over something. This should be a conversation between student and instructor, and you know, have it sitting in the plane or whatever that makes you feel comfortable. But just let your instructor know, and instructors, you need to respect that, right? Because well, you'll have a student who's going to learn better. And that's the thing is, is, is courage doesn't erase fears. <laughs> it's just it means that you faced them, right? Which is an important aspect of of all this. Is that, yes, you have ultimately. If somebody has fears, as much as you can, you know, gently baby them along, like you're saying, like there comes a point where they got to, where they got to be brave. So we're not taking that out of the equation. No, no, it takes a lot of bravery even to tell your instructor and instructors, listen to me. And your student confesses to you that they're scared. 
that's brave right there. That is a student who wants to face their fear. They didn't like go off and not schedule with you again. Right. So this and is that a student. Happens. Yeah, I mean, it does it happen. And I would encourage you just to um, introduce stalls in a gentle progressive mode, not knowing how your student's going to react. Just kind of that has been my habit as a flight instructor all the way through after I encountered the first one or two anxious students. I just made a habit of teaching stalls through a system of exposure as a course of action with every student. And then I didn't have students who were frightened anymore, who were like, I don't know if I ever want to do that again. I learned real early on that the way I had initially taught stalls, just jumping into the lesson plan, wasn't really the most effective way to do it. From then on, I did this progressive buildup to stall training. And I'm not talking about multiple lessons here. I'm talking one, two lessons. That's it. And then we're moving right on track with stall training because I then have a student who's plugged into listening to me and learning to fly the airplane instead of struggling with some fear that's in the back seat. You know, right? They so I would say, even consider making this your normal mode of teaching to you to flight instructors. I, I would highly recommend it. It's, I mean, it's it's fantastic advice, and I think that. Uh, I think having a, a good kind of bond in that way is is always going to be better in the overall experience for everybody, right? I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, get your get your fears out of the pilot seat, throw them into back into the cargo area by uh, facing them head on. Right. And by facing them head on, that means confess them to your instructor. Instructors do listen and go after them in a systematic way so that you become the pilot in the pilot seat, not your fears anymore. So comfort level uh, is important in trying to help manage comfort level, some exposure to it. Uh, are there any other kind of theories that you have on it? Or is that those two main things basically? Um, all you know, that some you've basic relaxation found? techniques, the breathing exercises and such as taking so a few relaxation. moments to, yeah, mm-hmm. use some relaxation techniques and uh, and one of the things that I saw, um, I, I I can't remember where I saw this, uh, but there's been science things that have shown that if you're lacking confidence or whatever, like so before a job interview or whatever, that it's a really good practice if you actually hold your hands above your head in like oh fists, I saw that too, or if you put them on your your hands yep. on your waist or whatever, and, and you do it for you know like even just like two minutes or whatever that they say. Um, that they've been able to prove that people just get a boost, even if they're faking it 100%, they get a little bit of a boost out of um, simply just having the right posture or something like that. Confident postures create confidence. So maybe even when you're done with your pre-flight and you're doing your breathing and relaxing, you know, stand with your hands on your hips and, you know, have a nice big pose and stand up straight. Well, at the very least is, you know, if you're sitting in the cockpit, have some good posture, feel confident, visualize yourself in a confident, don't just, you know, curl up in a ball on the front seat, you know, sit up straight, feel, you know, have... The last thing that we want is timid pilots, right? I mean, that's that's, that's something we don't need. And fears come from ignoring them. Sorry, folks, but that's just the truth. You, You know, if you, as much as you think it's tough to say, I'm not scared of anything... That that's when you let it get up into the pilot seat and drive you around. If you say, yep, I'm scared of that and I'm going to address it logically and through some progressive techniques, you now have taken control back of your fears. That is really facing your fears. Ignoring them is not 
going to get rid of them. They'll just be there driving you around in the sky. Ignoring things doesn't help. Sorry, Keith. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I should call the, the... the people asking me for money, then the collections agencies and whatnot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you I'm have to kidding. open the pink envelope. Shouldn't I just just ignore <laughs> those calls, right? Just yeah. ignore them. Um, just anyway, just playing around there. No. But uh, yeah, actually, that was my solution in, in college. You know, I had a couple of those going on, and, and I was just like, eh, I'm just not going to answer the phone. It'll go away. No, it doesn't go away, you know. It's, uh, I, <laughs> so that was, a, that was a big growing up moment when I saw the collections agency called and I picked it up. I remember thinking, hey, this is, this is yeah. really something. And then, you know, anytime you face something like that, though, and, it, you know, we're not just talking about flying here, but anytime that you just actually look at your fear and say, okay, it's on the table, I am afraid of xyz i'm going to look at all sides of it i'm going to think about how it makes me feel i'm going to think about how you know which scenarios it makes me feel worse in Uh, you know if you just acknowledge it and own it you'll be surprised at how much of that fear actually goes away just from the simple admission that it's driving you around Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. no i mean it's you can either you can either be you know proactive about it and and you know have some have some confidence in it or you can you know just give in, give in to the fear and right I think, I think and you're going to be a better pilot if you face this this issue because if you well, just man through it when when it really is a real emergency that fear may kick your tail all over town that's true so it, you need to address it now in flight training it's not just learning to that's correct drive through the maneuver you need to learn how to be calm through these maneuvers we don't want somebody fighting through stolophobia after being done with their instructor right they're up in their own and they're it's just part of your you know if you look at it as part of your flight training part of your progression as being a good and safe pilot is to face places where you may have fears in your flight training Mm -hmm. is there another i mean this has been really good is there another kind of common fear that you found in instruction or was stalling kind of the biggest one i think that the two things that I came across, stalls were probably the, you know, one of the ones that I found the most, but really the one that's probably the more justified. And for myself as a flight instructor, <laughs> I have been in this, this one is, you know, on landing Yeah. that you're going to botch something and bend metal on a landing. And it's, um, that can be anxiety producing. And for me more so as a flight instructor, um, I'm always following my students very closely on the controls. But the reality is I have had students get ahead of me, uh, you know, just do something totally out of left field and scare the daylights out of me. And then I'd have a few flights after that where I had some anxiety, even with different students, just because the one student had done something so unpredictable that I didn't see it coming. And I had to face some fears and getting back into the right seat and flying with more students we all have fears, even as you know, experienced flight instructors. It happens, and you just have to acknowledge it and work through it, not ignore it. And that's why you always make sure that you, you work through all the scenarios. You stay calm. You get ready. You know that that kind of worry is mm-hmm. is actually a good foil to your fears. Put that worry towards 
towards your to re- good replacing flight planning. That. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So yeah. use worry as a replace for those fears. Does that make sense? I mean, that's sort of what I'm thinking. I'd say prudence and caution. Yeah. I know we talked about this on our very first episode about, you know, what is the difference between being paranoid and, and being prudent and cautious. And as pilots, it's our job to try and eliminate as many dangerous factors from our trips as possible. So if you're going to work on something, focus on creating a safer flight through good planning, good weather sources, visualizing your, your way through maneuvers and learning your procedures and using checklists, folks, use your checklists. Some you have to memorize, like emergencies, you should have them memorized just in case you can't reach for it right then. But use all of your standard checklists as a routine. Put all your energy toward that, not toward being afraid of something. Work through that fear so that you can move on and just be a better, safer pilot. So do you have an NTSB report for us today? I sure do. Awesome. This just in from the National Transportation Safety Board. January 5th, 2011. A Mooney M20E experienced jam flight controls while on instrument approach to St. Petersburg Clearwater International Airport in Clearwater, Florida. The pilot was not injured. According to the pilot, he was beyond the final approach fix on the ILS runway 17 approach. Had contacted the tower and had the airport in sight. He began to configure the airplane for landing. Added flaps, enriched the mixture, turned on the boost pump, and attempted to extend the landing gear manually via Johnson bar. The pilot unlocked the Johnson bar from the floor and brought it forward to the instrument panel. He encountered resistance three to four inches from the panel and was unable to move the bar any further forward. He then retracted the Johnson bar and checked the area around it for anything that may have been preventing its full movement forward. The pilot then moved the carpet and attempted to lower the landing gear again with no luck. He tried a third time before calling the control tower and reporting that he had a landing gear problem. After the pilot's call, The tower controller advised him that he could return to the approach controller or stay in the pattern. He also offered to inspect the landing gear, confirm it was down. The pilot opted to stay in the pattern and declined the offer to inspect the landing gear since he knew that none of the three wheels were down and locked due to the nature of the manual extension gear. The pilot was issued instructions to to stay in the pattern and make right traffic as he continued to follow the localizer and glide slope for a low approach to the runway. About a quarter mile from the runway threshold, the pilot tried to force the landing gear down by applying more pressure to the Johnson bar. There was no emergency checklist and the pilot felt that it did not work. He would land gear up after a lap in the pattern. As he applied greater force to the Johnson bar, it clicked into the panel. As the Johnson bar clicked into the panel, the airplane immediately banked to the left. The pilot rapidly turned the yoke to the right, but was met by complete resistance and was unable to move the yoke to the right. The airplane continued to roll to the left and entered a descent. The pilot declared an emergency with the tower and was cleared to land on any runway. The airplane continued to roll and was at one point close to a 60 degree bank. The pilot retracted the landing gear, thinking it would reverse the situation, but it did not. The pilot then cleaned the airplane up by putting the flaps up and reducing the power and added full right rudder. He was able to roll the airplane to about 15 to 20 degrees of left bank, which stopped the turn and put the pilot 
into a left slip. After completing about 315 degrees of a 360-degree turn, the pilot looked to his left and saw that he was about to be lined up with the runway. He called the tower controller once again and said he was landing, but he wasn't sure that the landing gear was locked down. With a right crosswind and the left slip, the airplane touched down well left of center line, but on the runway. The pilot then brought the airplane to a stop while remaining on the runway. A subsequent examination of the airplane revealed no damage. However, a photograph provided by the maintenance facility revealed that a small flashlight about five and a half inches in length was jammed with the head of the flashlight against the aft side of the aft nose wheel well bulkhead and adjacent to the aileron control linkage. The tail of the flashlight was jammed against the landing gear bell crank. In addition, maintenance personnel found that when the Johnson bar was raised, a three to four inch hole could be seen in the boot that covered the area where the Johnson bar went through the floor. A photograph of the boot revealed to be old, worn, and torn at the seams. According to the borrowed airplane's aircraft logbook, the latest annual inspection was completed within the year on April 12, 2010. The National Transportation Safety Board determined that the probable cause of this accident to be that the airplane experienced jammed flight controls due to a foreign object. There you go. <sighs> Wow. That's a long one. That was yeah, a long one. I'm but sorry. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So have you heard anything like that ever before? Not like, I mean, that one is kind of a total freak accident. I, that little flashlight managed to touch so much stuff up under there. He should have had a bigger flashlight. <laughs> I, I mean, and, and keep control of it. I mean, I, I can't even pass judgment on this one. That's just a complete freak scenario. And that it did a nice job, though. He got it down. He figured it out. Fantastic job. Yeah. Wow. The fact that he got it, you know, on the runway and no damage. And that little flashlight was in there trying to cause all kinds of mayhem. This would be a good one of those uh, Allstate Mayhem commercials. Yeah, that is a Mayhem commercial. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm a flashlight. <laughs> Rolled up under it. <laughs> I'm messing with your Johnson bar. <laughs> Oh, no. He's going to sing, folks. Watch out. I'm going to mess with your ailerons. <laughs> okay, we need to stop there, folks, in the interest of the little ears. If you have ideas for a future show, I'm always looking for them. Or if you have comments, please reach out to me. It's Erica, E-R-I-K-A, at aimhigh, that's A-M-E-high.com. Or you can reach me on Twitter at aim, A-M-E, underscore high. And if you would like to reach my other private account, not really private, but my other account directly, it's at active underscore explorer. And on that, actually, if you if you lo- if I mean, come on, we all like Erica. If you want to, if you want to read more of her <laughs> stuff, you. she also has other interests. She does. Uh, she's the Active Explorer, so you can go to theactiveexplorer.com, read about her exploits hiking the mountains here in beautiful Utah, yeah. and. Uh, and and going around and you've got some exciting stuff coming up. You're going to the Middle East. I'm headed to stuff. Jordan next month. I will, yeah, I'll be departing on the fifth. I'll be in Jordan with Columbia Sportswear, and we're actually uh, going to be taking part in a documentary that's being filmed there. And um, I'm assuming you're just you're going to Petra. Is that what you're going I, to? I'm sure that we'll be at Petra, but 
I know that Jordan as a country, as a, excuse me, it is a kingdom. So the kingdom of Jordan has a wide variety of adventure activities and sites far, you know, far beyond Petra, which right. of course is it's best known for. Not to mention food and culture of the people. So this is going to be. You going to ride a camel? You think? Gosh, I hope so. That would be amazing. And I'm definitely taking good cameras and trying to get all you know some excellent footage. Plus the fact that. Um, you know, this is all part of a uh, documentary. So at some point, I'll have uh, footage that's professionally produced to share with y'all, too. So if you want to check out all that stuff, uh, theactiveexplorer.com, you definitely should do that. Uh, one other thing, uh, Erica, nonstop, the Liam Neeson movie. Okay, it's we a, need to watch this. It's aviation and yes. movies. And uh, I, I think if it's Liam Neeson being a, a badass, I think we're in. All right. All right. Looking, We're both yeah. in on that. Oh, yeah. I am absolutely in on watching this. So I'm looking forward to another movie review episode coming up soon, folks. All and right. if you have a movie to nominate, make sure it's easy to find on either Netflix <laughs> or, or Hulu or something. But uh, give us some ideas because we love getting ideas from our listeners because you're the reason we produce this podcast. That's right. Not to hear ourselves talk, although sometimes we could fool ourselves. Hey, it's pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, if you go check out nonstop. I think that's happening. I think we're yeah. going to, I think we're going to, we're going to cover nonstop. So, uh, anyway, that's, that, that would be uh, obviously more fun to listen to if you've actually seen the movie as well. So, uh, you know, make the plans, you know, uh, pop get, some popcorn, get a date, you know, or, or go on your own, whatever. But yeah. uh, go, go watch nonstop, uh, and and then we'll we'll chat about it. We want your responses on that. So uh, it's exciting times. And uh, anything else? We have anything That's else? That's it. Looking forward to our next episode. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Aim High podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Aim underscore High and like us on Facebook. And if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes. We know you have many choices when it comes to your podcast, and we thank you for choosing ours. When you're learning how to fly, aim high. Aviation made easy.